Now, welcome to Ewan Proctor, who's just joined us in studio, and let's give him some mic action. G'day. G'day. <laughs> so, uh, sunglasses for a reason. Sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, for sunglasses for a reason. <laughs> well, night. we do good, encourage... Good, um, good night out in Hillsville on Fridays, usually. <laughs> when, well, when did you end Sunday, up? though. <laughs> uh, great little, there's actually a great little new uh, whiskey bar on the Marinda Highway there, just opposite the street, called Kavanaugh. So a big shout-out to Brendan there. And he was cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, I ran into, speaking of Charawara, I was, um, I was actually there for lunch yesterday and checked oh, out cool. the Peter Booth exhibition, which is on oh, the yeah. final weekend right. at the moment. That's really fascinating. I didn't know much about Peter Booth at all. Um, and that's, that's quite an oeuvre. Um, but, yeah, I had lunch at Tarawara. It's delicious. Had the 18 J block. With the, the 18, which is not as good as the 13. <laughs> no, apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Never compared. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I took the dog for a walk at about 6.30 and I think I got home at 11. Yeah, right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, and it's a, for a different reason because you know so many people there, but... Um, I will tell visitors to the valley, you know, just Hillsville is so much. There's so much to do, right? So yeah. come and do some wine tastings out and about and come back to Hillsville, you know, by lunchtime or so and then you've just, just in, yeah. enjoy like, the town. Right? As you probably get to it, in, I'm, I'm not long for it at the moment, so I'm full of nostalgia. Yeah, man. And, I want, and uh, clearly I just want to uh, drink and eat everything in town. I've... <laughs> Taken Rich out there before. There's amazing, you know. It's not just it's not just a wine offering office in Hillsville. That's um, attractive, you know. There's a little bit of gin around. Yep. Um, great beers. Oh. I, was, I, I, I dropped in at uh, Watts River. Oh, I yeah, love yeah. Watts River. Yesterday, uh, yeah. Shout out to Will there as well. He was involved in uh, you know, here, shenanigans. Try, well, here, try this apricot wit beer that I just had a little bit left of. And oh, look, you need to try this nitro stout. And then yeah, yeah. Was, they were they were tasting glasses, but yeah. it was so it wasn't all your own fault. <laughs> you were bled down the garden path. Oh, oh twist well, my rubber arm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. And it, but I guess that yeah, that for me the nostalgia of probably you know going to be departing in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, yeah, I always I sort of have to pinch myself like, what are you doing? What like Hillsville is so good. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just it's a wonderful place to live, and I can get in here in an hour, even though if I'm a little late. <laughs> no, not at no. all. So what about uh, old mate Jane Nong? Tell us a little bit about yeah, his offering. So there. I was there as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's across the road from Watts River, so yes. it's kind of there, yeah. But it's like uh, one... And then next door to so Patton and Jones yeah, nearly. So. Well, it's sort exactly. of one street back from P&J, isn't it? It is, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's that, that end of Hillsville, which is really sort of just um, uh, or developing and... Yeah, what used to be a, a quiet little industrial estate now has, you know, restaurants and yeah, P and J, and then it's coming around the back now. So you got uh, yeah, brewery and, and a winery, a couple of wineries actually. So, um, uh, another one down the end of the street. Um, but Jaden, yeah, that's one of the great additions to the valley, I think, mm -hmm. um, for me in the last couple of years. Uh, the wines have been, you know, been made for longer, but setting up that site and having um, it's got the most incredible chandelier, I think you'd I was going to say bathrooms, the deluxe. Well, the, yeah, the bathrooms are amazing. <laughs> and, and just sort of the concept is great, I think, because it's really uh, blends the two spaces of the winery and the hospitality sort of seamlessly, mm. but really quite dramatically mm. as well, because it's a working winery where you go and but it's also got a marble bar full of Beautiful. amazing drinks yeah. and yeah. like very nice toilets. 
Yeah. You know, like they're like super lux. I'm yeah. not joking. They yeah. are yeah. they are lux. But then in, out the front, you sit on a, on a concrete apron in an industrial estate under some umbrellas and have an apparel spritz, whilst uh, somebody uh, in a little on the the kitchen is all over coals outside. So it's uh-huh. basically having a barbecue. Like uh-huh. there's a sort of almost like cool, an L, there's an LA ghetto vibe of it. You know, like you just <laughs> yeah, you, pimped up though. You, well, but I mean, you're cooking in a you're cooking in a car park. Yeah, and eating just on tables <laughs> and whatever like that. But then you also, which is very like for me, it's like yeah, it's very Mexican food truck, right? Yep. Yeah. But. The food's incredible. Yeah. Um, Jaden had a lot to do with um, Movida and stuff in the past. So the, as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the mm. and the menu seriously good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the menu uh, has a little bit of a nod to those things which Movida brought to town, which is like the conservas, so the beautiful, um, uh, you know, um, con- preserved fish, canned canned oh, yeah. canned fishies, mm-hmm. things like that. But there's also yeah, everything cooked over coals. Amazing cocktail list. Nolan is a is a great bartender there, and like the staff um, that Jaden's had on, they're just they're putting out a really good thing. Mm. So yeah, I, but yeah. he's also some places are afraid to have other people's wine, you know. But he's got a no, not killer, a total he, list. Is list? No, he's got a killer wine. The list, list just got a whole heap uh, bigger and more. Intense. And right. Is it like yeah, my friends from the valley, or is it beyond it's, that? Area? It's like the best selection of Burgundy oh, I've right. seen yeah, around for a while, sorts. and yeah. yeah, it's proper. Like it, originally, when they opened, it was a, a one-page list, which I'm a big fan of. I love it. I love a short, sort of concise list. But the list is now a leather-bound list. The list is life, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's got it's got some real gems in there. So yeah, it's not it's it's friends from the valley and beyond as well, but it's mm-hmm. also international list. So. Yeah, dare I say it? Probably the best heel, best the best wine list in Hillsville right now. Yeah, yeah. And you know a bit about that being a sommelier that ran some pretty famous restaurants. So, what about Bistro Guillaume? How many how many wines were on the list there? What what was that sort of like? Well, that was a long time ago because yeah, but the earliest incarnation of Bistro Guillaume was a little different to how it's uh, set, yeah, totally set up different now. now. Yeah, um, they probably went the other way. Went from a huge list to a one page list. And yeah. I don't I, like I said I actually love a one-page list as well. Uh, that was a there was uh, I know we from memory is a long time ago, but from memory it was three hundred lines of Bordeaux alone. Yeah, wow, <laughs> which was an interesting thing to do. Did you develop that list or you inherited? That no, list? I sort of I inherited. I did I did develop it once I took over, but I got a big shout out for. Uh, Maybe some of the listeners, especially the Sydney people, will remember a character called Stephen Whitbread. Uh, Stephen came down um, from having worked at places like the Four in Hand and things like that. Right. Um, and Stephen, you know, there was a bit of there was a bit of money behind Guillaume's yeah. um, <laughs> restaurant sure, when it sure opened, was. and uh, they did sink quite a lot into the cellar. And yeah, Stephen had a, r- a right old time um, John Baker. Yes. Was it, was Who it, we had on the show as well. Yeah, so John was it John John was almost like I'd say could not film formally, but he was almost like a, like a, a consultant for that for the Bordeaux side. And yeah. Guillaume was very that was an education in Bordeaux for me. I wasn't uh I was I was book I was book Bordeaux before I worked there and then I actually got to open Quite a lot of amazing wines. So you would have had like twenty vintages of Lynch Barge and things like that? No, it wasn't that? so much the, there was there was I mean it wasn't as if there was too many verticals, right? But there, there was small ones, but there was just like a lot of classics. Yeah, and uh, it was pretty heavy. In I think probably Stevens, um, 
uh, hand was at play here, pretty heavy in things like uh, Leverless Cuss. Yeah. That kind of that that's what you'd almost say like second and third tier. A lot of like it was he was pretty early on to getting onto the popularity and not necessarily the style, but the popularity of things like Palmer and Codestanel, yeah. which were a bit more riper. But it was it, it was it, to be honest, it was also quite it was an idiosyncratic list, even though it's Bordeaux and very famous in a way, because Melbourne's such a Burgundy town. Yeah, and we couldn't keep Burgundy in stock. Right. Yeah, and uh, I remember saying to you, I was like, hey, "Why did you do the Bordeaux? You could like you, you tilted could do that so- in Sydney." Yeah, but but the thing was, it was it, that was it's, it was Guillaume's passion, you know, and yeah. he's he's really passionate about Linsparge. Funny you'd mentioned it, mm. um, and about wine, and uh, yeah, that was just you know we were doing. Um, Bordelais sauce on the steaks, and you know it was a little Bordeaux bistro style. The roast, and if you've ever been chicken. to Bordeaux, anybody like it, it's not just a wine town; it's also a great little uh, gastronomic yeah. place as well. I remember. So my first love of French wine was like a lot of people probably the Gigal Cote de Rhone, which I just loved. Mm. And then, but the first premium thing that I really fell in love with was something that you served us up there, which was the Domaine de Grenoble. Bundle Rouge with a roast chook. Yep. And it was probably, as much as anything, something we could afford on the list that was still really good. But, you know, lo- lovely wine. Yeah. I mean, the the uh, the other trick about that list, so it was very heavy in Bordeaux and that was always there. And, that, like, that that side of it showed its its rationale in the big weeks yeah. that Melbourne has. So like Grand Prix. Melbourne Cup. They yeah. started in November with Melbourne Cup, then you know, Grand Prix. Grand Prix tennis, tennis, these sort of things, and the international. When you, it was a bit of an eye opener for me. I'd never worked on, in a, in a place which just copped the hype <laughs> as much, and that you actually did have, you know, the people. I, well, can, I, I'm can not going to sit here and name drop, but I was I, gonna I, say, served a lot of very famous people in there, yeah, and people yeah. who the money didn't matter so much for, and wanted to drink something internationally famous. And so when you could go, yeah, okay, I'll have an 82 Mouton. Well, then you could pull it out. Yeah. Yeah, but well. the things like the Bandols, and I got really into a lot of Languedoc, and um, Andrew Gard was a relatively newer importer at that stage. Yeah. Um, and so his portfolio allowed me to play in a lot of new appellations that were kind of um, really new in Australia, little undiscovered. New Australia, yeah. little undiscovered, and so yeah. because Guillaume liked was famously marking up a lot, <laughs> um, uh, I needed to show things to people that they didn't maybe they quite could afford. Well, could afford and also didn't recognise because yes. the, the other thing is you, it, <laughs> yeah. it was not uh, a casino yeah. restaurant. Yeah. So if you went head to head with the casino uh, restaurants on the on the the listings that they were buying, they were buying a massive scale. Yeah. So I, I couldn't charge what they were charging because next door they'd be doing bin 389 for 30, 40 bucks less or a Rockford basket press and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the blokes would come in and go, what's this bloody, you know, basket press can't be this much. Yeah, you're a rip-off. And, yeah, and so you just get off onto the wrong foot, whereas if you could walk over and go, have you ever tried to sound shitty on it? So she shiraz, oh, <laughs> like, you know, and then you're off and running. Yeah. 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 Can, uh, you, can you tell the, the Roger Federer winning the... Australian Open story, or probably can now that he's retired. Yeah, he's just uh, guy can dance. You'd expect with like you know the kind of footwork and thing, yes. but yeah, he just uh, we, we we did a party for him afterwards. He's uh, he he was um, what do you call it uh, represented by IMG. 
and the IMG manager called me up. It was, it was, he was a grand final against Andy Murray. He called me up before the final and said, Roger's going to win in three sets and we're going to be back here by 11 o'clock. <laughs> Can we get some champagne and things on? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and we came down. I got a mate to come and DJ and the family. Like I'd got to know the family at that stage. by, uh, you know, They were very um, private, but we, they did dine there a lot. Uh, but yeah, r- seeing Roger let his hair down and um, bust out some Michael Jackson moves <laughs> on the dance floor was pretty that's yeah, unique. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Because you, you would see him being so Very much reserved. more reserved. Yeah, um, but in, in you know he's he, he is a reserved guy. He's public not, persona. Isn't well, it? but he's not a wild guy. No. Yeah. But it was the first time, I, and it was the first time I ever seen him actually really like drop his guard. Yeah. And I think he's like. But in the comfort of family and friends, very and small, very small group. No windows like downstairs, yeah, so no guess, press. Yeah, so I'm not saying any more mm. than that. Yeah. But yeah, it was like you know, actually seeing. But uh, Roger can dance, like he can really dance, like can cut That's a rug. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dancing, so Adam McCallum, who makes the wines at Tarawara and has done for a long time, is now you know technically the chief winemaker, or whatever. Man, that guy can dance too. He can dance. He can dance really? like Michael Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. and he's the same. He's people, a really reserved, yeah. quiet sort yeah. of guy. People with these hidden talents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amac's hilarious. Yeah. He's a hilarious man. Ruin, I do remember we were drinking Ruinart that night, though. Yeah, that was what we were. That was what we were serving. Nice, nice. Um, so you're heading overseas. I am. And why don't you tell us a little about the new gig? Unless, ah, uh, so yeah, it's all before me. I don't. It's not. We'll make it public for. <laughs> well, I think it's um, so. I'm going to move to the UK, but be working very uh, focusing on Italian wine, importing Italian wine to the UK market. I have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, um, I'm very lucky to be essentially doing almost in it what would amount to a kind of apprenticeship with a, a bit of a legend of the industry over there, a guy called Sergio De Luca. Uh, Sergio has been working um, as a as the buyer f- of Italian wine for this business called Inotria. Inotria is fifty years old, mm-hmm. and then Sergio has been the buyer for Italian wines for thirty seven years of that fifty, wow. and is about to retire. And uh, so huge shoes to fill. Um, so do you get any time with him? I get in it. I get a year with him. Yeah. Oh, is it a year? A year, yeah, pretty oh, much. Well, until he decides, it's it's a long handover. That's why I mean it's a kind of an apprenticeship. Mm. Um, so will there be a lot of travel to to Italy? We'll, we'll, I'll speak to you in six months and I'll let you know how it's going. Mm. Yeah, but I, they haven't. I'm starting in Verona. If that makes yeah. sense, that's, that's, that's I mean, the intention. That, that, that yeah. would be the fun. Bit. It's a fun bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot to learn for me, not just about the you know, the producers of which there's producers all there's they've basically got a, at least one in every region yep. of Italy because it's a, it's still a major part of their portfolio. The Inotria have grown over those 50 years to import things from all over the world now. It's one of the largest importers in the UK. So they handle from Australia as well quite some pretty, like you were mentioning, Darenberg before, mm-hmm. yeah, Darenberg's importer, sure, right. Henschke, Toisner, mm. yeah, quite a lot of other things. And, and uh, in the Italian stuff, it's uh, Cause some pretty well Because it'd be great while you got well. him for a year to, to go over and meet some of his contacts, you know, in region. I have to. That's, yeah. I mean, uh, if where wine and this sort of thing intersect for me is that my background with um, study and things and languages. And um, so for me, understanding the level of kind of respect and and acknowledgement that Sergio is showing 
to me, but also by making these um, introductions in person, yeah, mm. rather yep. than just how they're handing it over and going, "Hi, this is uh, go, yeah, go meet the Frescobaldis. You'll have fun." Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is, I'm sure it would be fun, and I have weirdly, but much more fun when you're going with him. And it's the it's Italian, good for it's everyone, the Italian right? way. It's familia, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And so yeah. it's in everyone's interest absolutely that yeah. relationship has been built up, and yeah. now it can carry on because. There was a proper handover done. Yeah, and um, it's a bit of a, it's an old adage, but there's a lot to do, not just in the wine industry, but relationships in general. And in a post-COVID situation, uh, I, I'm really excited for that. Like, I'm just so excited that I can mm. actually go and do this at this time and, and be face-to-face with people yeah. and not have been taking this job on two years ago and having to do it all by Zoom. <laughs> no, I know your Italian's impeccable, but... It's, it's not impeccable. Well, it's it's going to get a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But yeah well, it has to, doesn't it? I mean, it just naturally will. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I'd say it's fluent. I'm, flu- I'm fluent. Yeah. But... Um, but there are different regional... Um, well, that's it. And also... Dialetti. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I speak Genovese dialect as well. But there's not a lot of wine made in Genoa. There's a bit of wine made in Liguria, which is interesting. Gardi's got some really beautiful stuff. Um, but yeah, Tuscan dialects, and there's a real, I mean, there's some hilarious dialects like Pugliese Bari. It's not a, that's. A, a, is it a different language? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, do, do you remember a show that was the on the ABC? It was the Degeneration guys, and it was called The Late Show, and it was Mick Malloy yeah. and all those guys, and they did this piss take of a snowy mountain kind of scheme, and it was like a an epic movie version of it. And I just remember this scene. It was like um, Jane, uh, can't remember her name. Jane, who's on the radio, uh, Rob Sitch's wife. Uh, yeah. Jane. Anyway, she's Ken- like Kennedy. Jane Kennedy, and yeah. she's talking. To, she's talking to this Italian guy who's working on the hydroelectric dam. He says, "Oh, Giuseppe, you're so different to everyone here. Say something to me in Italian." <laughs> and he and he goes, "Idroelettricità." <laughs> it's just like all the boys just talk about hydroelectricity. This idroelettricità. But I mean, the lex. What I'm getting at is the lexicon of wine is different too, right? Oh yeah. So uh, you're gonna have and to learn. That's regional too. Like yeah. I've just mm-hmm. been uh, brushing up on um, uh, one while well, reading it. Reading a really great book by a guy called Michael Garner um, about Amarone and the wines of Veneto and Suave and things like that, and that you know the uh, the the passamento process and things like that. Yeah. So anybody here for tr- wine trivia? What's the name of What's the name of the racks in Italian? Il Racco. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I learned this one. They say it's called Arelle. Arelle, Arelle, like Arelle. Rails, so. yeah, Arelle. But it's just it's a Ven- it's a Venetian, uh, not Venetian, um, Veronese sort of word. Right. In a sense, it's not used all over Italy. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, and the pergola. Well, tell us, a, tell is, the listeners a bit about pergola. What, yeah, pergola, <laughs> uh, and exactly pergola, <laughs> gold. I've been. It's been interesting. Like, I, I, I knew that there was, uh, you know. There's different different um, trellising systems and stuff used all over the place, and there's a bit of guyo like around in Verona and stuff as well. But um, interesting, like just understanding the rationales behind where they use the pergola, and it's actually sort of coming back more into fashion. Mm. Have you yeah. had? The Amarone and Governo, Apassimento, Repasso, no. all that stuff. Can you tell us a bit, a bit oh, about okay. what that is, please? Well, good thing I've been reading books. Uh, <laughs> so and anyone, if anyone's got any questions, um, you can text in 0456 965 965. 
So, so we're with you uh, and Proctor. Sorry, you and go. No, that's right. Um, so I mean, Amarone is in itself a quite a modern wine. Right. Uh, that's not. It's not like hundreds of years old. No. Um, what is hundreds years of years old? Like literally hundreds of years old is just viticulture and winemaking in that region around Verona and sort of between Verona and Lake Garda. Mm. Um, an astonishing amount of indigenous varieties yeah. um, that they think, because Verona was a very um, it's a, it was an influential garrison town on Roman roads right. and uh, had a lot of you know, trade going through it, obviously with Venice down the road as well. It's like on the road between Venice and, and Turin and whatever. Yeah. Um, and they think that it was just the style of the nobility or landowners at that time to bring some vines with you when you... When you were travelling, yeah, so that was a gift, right. yeah. you know. So seventy-five red indigenous varieties, Jeez. and a further thirty-five white ones just in that zone. One hundred and ten different wines. Yeah, varieties. and obviously now the ones that are um, there's some have risen to, risen to absolute dominance. Yeah, so they've got a little bit of canaiolo. Yeah, the canaiolo on it, <laughs> canaiolo. Yeah. They've got the big one and the little one. Uh, Corvina is really um, used a lot there. Um, Rondinella. So they're the three. Molinara. Molinara, which you also, yeah, small percentage Molinara, but there are Molinaras being made as single varietal wines now. It's a bit like Mataro, right, in terms of what it adds to the, like a GSM? Um, Not really? uh, I'd have to read all this back again, but like the Molinaro, from from what I can tell, is, is, Yeah. yeah, it's a blending component. Yeah. Um, but there are people making single varietals of it, mm. um, and it's typically one, one of the biggest things and why a passamento and all that sort of came in is none of these grapes actually um, uh, similar to Nebbiolo in a sense they don't throw a lot of dark colour like we'd see in Australia with Shiraz, yeah. right? So um, uh, you know, especially as I guess culturally Italy started to focus a lot more on the US in its exports, these sort of ideas of pumping up the style uh, just sort of took more yeah. and more root. Right. And that, so Amarone is essentially not a direct extension of that. No, but, it's, but there's, it, it helped. The much older style is actually called Recciotto, Recciotto di Valpolicella. Right. And so Recciotto wines is more like this idea of um, yeah, drying the grapes. Um, to concentrate the flavours mm. before mm. before before pressing. Well, essentially, it's raisining them. Sort yeah, of, raisining them. Yeah, yeah, but raisining them off the vine. Yeah, um, yeah. on racks. On racks. Called arelle. And then Amarone comes in like only in the sort of in the twentieth century, really. Right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, develop, so yeah. Um, obviously, so, with all of those varieties, are they not all of them would be in you know that classification of DOCG, would they? Um, they, do they? No, that's they right. Sort of like some sit outside. Yeah, the more sure. prominent ones, as you explained, will be the ones for that region that are classified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the, like uh, even like so, the DOCG Amarone didn't exist until 1980. Right. Yeah. I think, really. Yeah. And it's interesting as well. But the other, the other thing is that because. This region as a whole is very, very influential in winemaking, and also on the other side of Veneto, you've got Conegliano and uh, Prosecco, Valdobbiadene, and yes. all these sorts of. And Conegliano is a town in the eastern part of sort of the Prosecco zone, has a university, very famous university for kind of like a 
uh, weight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like enology courses. And yeah. they produce a lot of winemaking equipment in Veneto as well. Right. Presses and things like that. If you go into wineries, you see Italian yeah. machinery is generally made in Veneto, bottling right. machines, bottling lines. Yeah, right. So all of the industry mm. of wine is kind of there. Um, Why is that, do you think? Why Veneto? Yeah. It's just full of wine. But it was on the trading route as well <laughs> and, and all that route, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I guess the other thing is culturally, you look at places like Tuscany and, and, and like, you know, Chianti, Montalcino, these are fairly small actual areas really. Yeah. Whereas the, the wine, the viticultural area we're talking about with this in the valley, the Piave Valley and things like that, it's just really quite vast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they cool. produce a lot. And so in, in that sense that those, you know, the... Um, in time, like you look at the more prestige zones, like so Barolo and, and County Classico and things like that, they're also linked to nobility from uh, from yeah. nearby places. Yeah. Um, and Veneto kind of was just seen as good wine, mm-hmm. and they didn't have an Amarone, like they didn't have this. That was just Valpole, you know, like yeah. and, and mm-hmm. it was like nice and fresh and good to drink, but not sort of conquering the world with not with the prestige. Seri- yeah, prestigious yeah. and serious. Exactly, and so, so that's mm-hmm. a, it's an extension of that, and it's also so it's gone from being also this idea like the the passamento and ricotta process, um, which was very sort of traditional and yeah, out on bamboo racks like up on the hill with better wind because it's right on the foot of the Dolomites and things like that. Mm-hmm. But since 1990, it's actually Marzi, the producer Marzi, which is a pretty famous pre- famous name. Um, you see it around a fair bit. But Marzi really pioneered this idea of a controlled apacimento. Right. So actually now it's done in you – know, some people still do it traditionally, but it's also done just controlled in, in, warehouse. in warehouses on yeah. plastic racks, or yeah. people have got all their own styles. But you know, air so con- you were saying in the in the Alpolicella there was what eighty five red, seventy five red, seventy five red, thirty five yeah, white. So roughly, if I'm roughly, is that breakdown? I don't know them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. but there'll be ninety five percent of the wine they're making is red. Or is uh, it, or is it more, roughly that seventy thirty breakdown? And if so, no, because because Suave is like mm. is big yeah. as well. And we don't see as much of it in Australia, but Suave, you know, got Suave got big in um more like the sixties and seventies. And it's like, you know, I had speaking of Jaden Long, like I had the Pierre Pan Suave there a month or so ago. Just yeah. went out for lunch. Yeah. It's a great Suave what, what is a great interest? lunchtime what, what Yeah. What food what were we did having? you have it with? Oh, and what have you had it with that you really liked? Because I've had it a few times and Hasn't been the right match. Really? Yeah. You should oh, no. you should come to my masterclass in two weeks because oh. I'm doing four suaves. Really? Okay. Tamalini, yeah. Pierrepan, Pierrepan La Roca, and Pierrepan, um, the other single vineyard one. Yeah. Um, I uh, can't remember. But don't you think it's interesting that we see, I mean, Pierrepan are a, a world Good leader. Good as well. Leader for it, mm. but we don't see a much of a diversity of suave here. Calvarino's <laughs> the other single vineyard, mm. sorry. So, yeah. And so, like Garganega, Garganega is quite the dominant variety yeah. mm-hmm. for the whites, um, but it's quite a large production as well. So it's not—I wouldn't say it's like sp- split mm. the same way. Yeah. I think it's more dominant than any of the reds. Yeah, it, it can be quite linear sometimes. I think the suave. So obviously, like salt, like sardini type food, salty, yeah, it, it fishy it type. That saline. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. Really I was having fish, and yeah. I was having little, you know, uh, canned fish, and yeah. mm. bread and things like that. It's just like lunchtime yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Herbs, anything with lots of herbs. And the, the traditional food, like well, Veronese, Veronese food, is also like 
pretty notable, but one of the main, and like for a bunch of things, are really like horse. Mm. Right. Horse is a big deal in Verona, okay. yeah. but not exclusively. The other thing that's a little bit more safe for vegans is uh, risotto. Mm, or okay. can be more safe for vegans, not always. Um, <laughs> With you use, using horse. Having been there, I've made plenty of vegan risottos in the past. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, they, uh, lots of different risotto, risotti. Risotti. Um, um, yeah. We have a question from Kim uh, about dolcetto. Dolcetto, yeah. And the question is, how would you say the Italian style of dolcetto is different to the Aussie? Uh, just over... Typically here we're just going to get it riper. So it's just going to be a little bit more lush in Australia, a little yeah. bit more, yeah. It's or it's a, it's a softer, sort of juicier red anyway. But under the, in Australian conditions, I think unless you unless it's uh, Brown Brothers, well, yeah. But it's, I just Syrah. think generally it's it's like I think Australian producers are not trying to reinvent the wheel in making it. But generally, we're just going to have a slightly richer, lusher, plusher. Maybe yeah. slightly more highly, maybe an extra degree of alcohol depending on mm. where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. I think yeah. we can probably do a little better with that, like Cabernet Franc. So a lot of the Cab Francs, I think we make as a single variety in Australia, tend to yeah, they pick it pretty late and they tend mm. to make it quite rich. But I like that that Loire Valley style sort of. You know, where it's it's a bit more savoury, high acidity, low tannins. Yeah, you know, I mean, and Dolcetto is. It is what it is. It's uh, it's like a bit like a Balpolicelli in that sense. It's just great lunchtime, oh, easy drinking yeah. food. Wine Afternoon doesn't wine. get in the way. Like, you know, it's a it's a it's a enjoyable part of the table. It doesn't have to be yep. the thing that's. You don't uh, have to think about it too no, much. It's, it's just it's not, it's not goes the, with it doesn't have to be the main event, but it's it, it's 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 conducive to yeah, it's conducive whole. to <laughs> an overall good vibe. <laughs> Having said that, we've got the full range of Bruno Giacosa wines. Obviously, his daughter Bruno makes the wines now, but. That that dolcetto, it's fifty bucks. It's not cheap, but it's quality. That's mm. that's a proper wine style, I think. But definitely, it's a thing where, in like you know, as more and more attention and and other wines from the region get more and more scarce, uh, play, things like dolcetto are being taken more seriously by the producers in the region because it's like, well, you know, what it's else? It's becoming have you got? Yeah. one of the more prominent things. Um, Christopher has uh, asked. Do you think that we'll ever stop calling Italian varieties uh, alternate varietals? Yeah, that's a big one in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I. That's a, such a. I think that's really an interesting question, question for Australia. I remember, you had Kim Chalmers on a few weeks yeah, ago as Kim well, a month ago, and yeah. you know, uh, such champions of alternative varieties. They're mm. really. I mean, they're not exclusively to Italian, but so many of the ones that they've planted and succeeded with are Italian varieties. And yes. there's. Oh God, there's over 300 indi- 360 indigenous varieties in Italy. It gives you an idea, though, if there's 75 in Veneto. Yes. Yeah. How like that's wow. it's a bit of a super diverse. It's a bit of a mecca for it. Yeah. I mean, how many did Kim say? How many they have, they do bring in? Like how many? Oh they've put well, they're they're working quarantine? on a lot of stuff. Probably three or four under quarantine at the moment. But, but how many would they have? Like if we're talking 360 in total, oh, would they have 100 here yet? to ask. Or no, 50? I don't think no, that many. I'd say 20 or 30 A couple maybe? of score. Yeah. 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 But we had, who was it, um, Corinna from Oliver's Taranga who's just made a Falangina. And, yep. again, it's one of these things of in our in Australia, it's pretty much, what, 65 wine regions all got Shiraz or got Chardonnay. Mm. So we are 
we are so mad we're on bit, those. We're a bit monoculture. Like yeah, that. but mm. they would be possibly considered alternate varietals, varieties rather, in Italy, would they? Or what, do they even think they, like that? They no. There's because uh, I know they've got Chardonnay up the north. They'd have Chardonnay everywhere and, there, and Shiraz. There's actually I was in Montalcino last year and. Like Montalcino is only Sangiovese, right? You can only call it Montalcino if it's 100% Sangiovese. Yeah. And it's also a very limited resource, land in Montalcino. But I sat mm. down and had dinner with with a, a young winemaker and she had, she was like, oh, I've got, I've, I've planted like three three acres of Chardonnay. I was mm. like, on Montalcino? She's like, yep. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I went to... So she's she's going to make a Chardonnay on, on Montalcino. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So it gives you an idea. There's, there's a few currants in Italy at the moment Um Probably the really dominant one is uh, essentially what's old is new in a, and, and, and bringing back a more focus on local varieties. Yeah. So there is that there's this big push to produce you know, more of these indigenous varieties and make them and champion them. Yes. At the, concurrently, there's also uh, uh, more influence of what's called international varieties. Now, the international varieties typically are French. Right, but, <laughs> yeah, but they're yeah, Chardonnay. But they're alternate. Yeah, and that's that's you know they've been they've looked they've been there a long time. But you look at things like what's happened in Bolgheri and also Francia Corta. So Francia Corta used to be red wine production, right? But from the seventies, they flipped the script and started producing Pinot and Chardonnay and making really beautiful sparkling Great wines. Sparkling, yeah. But there's not like a four hundred year history of that. That's another. So it's still a very dynamic wine country. I think people can make the mistake of looking at Italy and going it's all old mm. it's the old world yeah. and mm. it's really not there's mm. there's so there's a lot of dynamic changing landscape around things as well um yeah mm. um uh i'm not winding up That's right. you up yet but we were sort of three minutes or so to go <laughs> you've been winding uh, me up tori, <laughs> tori will kill us if we uh, go over time she's preparing for scouting around um it's it's fascinating the chat we could have had you in for two hours really um, I mean a lot of the terms that you know listeners will be kind of going oh, I've heard some of them but some are not but mm. you're explaining it nicely and in you know in a sort of easy to digest way so thank you well thank you it gives me some I, I'm like just I tend to be a fairly confident person but I've had a lot of like Richard will tell you like. I, I gnashed my teeth over this decision to make to do this right. a lot because I don't have previous experience in the UK. Yeah, it's a big market to learn, and this is a fairly big situation. I'm really glad that I can like you know work with it, such an expert does to begin it, does with. Does your but, book that you'll get take you easily into key retailers and key oh, um, yeah, yeah. restaurants <laughs> yeah, very easily? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one advantage. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm looking I, forward I, to. I, I think, <laughs> I, and 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 from from what I gather as well, and so I'm really looking forward to this because of background in hospitality, um, that the there's there's the travel and and sourcing and buying side but there's also you know essentially justifying your choices with your with the salespeople and in front of the trade mm. and that's at all levels as well so um you could end up in the fetal position in the corner if you thought about it too much. I know, it's hectic. <laughs> um, I'm actually really looking forward to uh, the sort of middle channel of the hospo thing, which is like the pub groups. Because, yep. um, again, having just been in the UK last year, like they're doing pubs really well. Oh, they do it so much uh, better than we do. They're doing pubs really well. And the gastro pub, which is like, yeah. the worst name in the world, like it's just 
we've got to come up with a different name. Yeah. Gastro pubs just sounds wrong. I had a bit of gastro pub last week. So I had but, to have a couple of days but off. These yeah. pla- but these places, like you know, uh, then th- there's a big range there. I went into one of Ramsey's ones on, on the in on the edge of Camden there, oh, and yeah. it's quite posh, you know. Yeah. And everybody's doing very posh Sunday roasts, and they've got good wine lists, yeah. and um, you know, but at a certain target, like a good approachable uh, sort of line of things. And of course, like yeah, I mean, it's, there's. I think that uh, I'm also really interested to just get to know some of the really classic um, just Italian tutorials and bistros that have been, you know, there 30, 40 years. Yeah. And I was reading, there's an article in the latest edition of Noble Rot about, which is a, a London wine mag thing yeah. that comes out with, uh, about like, you know, classic uh, old um, Soho Italian dining establishments, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great too. Like, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have a Vitello Tonato. <laughs> <laughs>